with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. It helps us grow as far as a base of audience that likes basketball, the NBA, and the Los Angeles Lakers. So we truly Hope that you're out there. If, if you got a friend that might like, might subscribe to our show as well, we truly appreciate anything you do to support the Lakers Fast Break. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of stuff is going on even after the what we, what we thought was the final decisions being made on an NBA season continuing as of July 31st. Some, some things that are going down behind the scenes, and I want to talk a little bit about it today with my guest, plus... Also, more interesting comments that have been made on my mock draft. And I know this man right here has got something to say as well because he is one of the guys that I've learned from when it comes to making a mock draft. Because you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at draftsite.com. Check out his mock draft that he's doing and that he's always updating. And you can check it out today at draftsite.com. It is Stone Hansen and Stone. Again, great work so far on DraftSite.com. Hopefully you didn't have too much of a good laugh on mine. No, no. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty well done, so looking forward to talking about it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to go ahead and just give everybody an update on what was going on behind the scenes with the NBA. I know that's a, a paramount to us as Lakers fans because uh, even though I know you've got the De'Aaron Fox shirt on, I know you are a big Laker fan at heart as well. Uh, although De'Aaron Fox is pretty good, and Nick Sacramento could be a surprise there if everybody else you know that doesn't uh, that's actually in that group of nine through twelve doesn't really want to go. Or Sacramento could be a surprise, but you know, we'll talk about that here in a sec. But it is Orlando. A lot of people are heading down there July thirty first for the season that starts up with the NBA. But there's some rumblings. If you go ahead and check out Adrian Wojnarowski or Sham Sharania on Twitter. All those major guys that are out there that are in the know, they're talking about a player movement of about anywhere from 50 to 100 individuals that are talking and communicating to each other. Some of it is led the dialogue by uh, NBA player vice president rep Kyrie Irving as far as possibly boycotting this venture to Orlando. People are concerned about the bubble, which is of great concern, and I get that because even at minimum, let's say they're like Phoenix or Washington or San Antonio or somebody that could be eliminated early on in this process, they could be staying up there to, what, 60 days almost? They can be there for quite a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's something of great concern to them. So I want to hear your thoughts, Stone, on this whole situation of what you've heard, what you've investigated not necessarily about what the players are doing, because, again, that's still up in the air, and I know we'll talk more about that in the coming days and weeks, what the players are thinking, because I know that's still up in the air, and I know they're just conversating right now, and if they decide to go or if they decide to stay home, there's always a good reason for that. I mean, the movement that's going on as far as racial equality and uh, the injustices to fight against them that are, are out there in this world I know it's a great cause if you stay and help the protests. I also know if you go in front of a worldwide audience that is going to be larger than normal because of the fact that people just want to see the NBA. 
Either which way, it's still a good way to go ahead and help this process move forward. Yeah, I definitely think there's both sides to the uh, opinion here. Um, I see, obviously, there's much bigger issues in basketball uh, going out in the world today. Uh, I know Joe Ingles is one guy who is very invested in allowing himself to walk away if it came to that because he has two children who are at high risk for COVID. Obviously, everything going on right now with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, another thing important outside of basketball that a lot of players in the NBA are um, helping raise awareness and focusing on. So uh, I think in on both sides of the equation, you could see um, uh, opinions as to what the best course of action is. Uh, I think you'll see players uh, on teams, probably an average of two or three, I would say, that just don't show up. So I think NBA has a lot of questions to answer moving forward right now. That they do, my friend, that they do. But again, it's still playing out. It's just, like I said, conversations at this point in time the players are having amongst themselves. I know some players are speaking out for this and, and against this as far as the Orlando bubble is concerned. We were led to believe a little bit, maybe misguidedly, that the process was going to be a smoother one when the NBA announced it and that the that they said that the players had ratified it and we thought things were going to be a little bit better off as far as a cleaner transition to that. But with everything that's going on, I can truly understand why the players are kind of torn between the what they should do and what they think is right. So either which way, I think it's still, uh, you, you can't fault anybody in this type of situation for going ahead and choosing whatever side or whatever path they ultimately choose, whether or not they decide to go into the bubble in Orlando or not. Yeah, I think um, just, you know, standing up for what you believe in and fighting for what you believe in is of utmost importance. So I think any player who decides to step away from basketball for however long a period of time, I can respect that. Um, and it's probably the right decision for them if they feel that. For those that do want to continue basketball, I think we're going to see a lot different product of the NBA than we're used to. I think this time off has affected players in multiple different ways. Uh, so I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of players that maybe not may get as many minutes or things like that. If there is a silver lining to this, that may be something good to come out of it. But yeah, we'll have to see how this progresses. Uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Absolutely. It will be something we need to keep an eye on as far as, you know, as it gets closer to that July 31st. Also, as it gets closer to when they go back to these training camps, when they go down to Orlando, what's the situation there? The, you know, the quarantine period that most of these players will have to go through at that point in time. What is this all going to look like? It's still in flux. And that's the good thing about what's going on as far as there's still this conversation that the NBA of these leagues in America that are right now are probably the most open to change, to also working with the players. And we're seeing, if you're a baseball fan out there, what the opposite of that is like, because right now with the NBA of any of the leagues, at least they're having that conversation to go ahead and, yes, try and finish the season, but try and finish it to probably the best extent that they can with you know, a majority of the players' approval. Yeah, and I think 
one thing that's holding back the player's approval, at least at a more wider of a wider audience for them, is that the, the lack of transparency the NBA has had. I think there hasn't been a great amount of detail into how day-to-day operations as far as testing or anything that goes as, uh, along those lines. Uh, I think that hasn't really been released a whole lot. Um, I'm sure the players know more than we do at this time, but um, I still think that there's less, uh, there's not as much transparency as people would like as far as detailed plans to bring the NBA back. Well, I, I agree with you on that sense that they haven't been, because I, 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 I don't think the the NBA as a whole has something yet in place yet for that. I know on Monday or early next week that they are planning to go ahead and release a, a document or pages of document on how things are going to be structured in this bubble. But even that would be susceptible to change if the players ask the league. I just think that dialogue between the league and the players has been there through this process, or at least at least at a higher level. I know Chris Paul and Adam Silver have talked in regards to what's going on. I, I'm hopeful that of the four leagues that they're able to go ahead and get their act together the most because we've seen in NF in the NFL, we've seen in Major League Baseball, you know, they're still so much farther behind right now than what we're seeing with the NBA. NHL, we don't really hear much from the players, but then again, with the NHL, they're just going ahead with their season anyways. But it's just nice to see that the NBA can have that kind of dialogue. But if the players want to push for something, I know that they're most likely going to get it when it comes to their discussions with the NBA. Yeah, I think everyone really is, wants to see basketball come back. But I think at the same time, everyone also understands that there's much bigger battles to fight right now outside of basketball. We'll see how it goes. I think as every day, though, that they they don't bring the NBA back is another day the draft pushes farther along. So I guess the silver lining there is that all of us do get a little extra time to scout 2020 and start 2021 scouting. And boy, does this draft need it. It needs a lot of scouting because there's so many variables in place when it comes to the NBA draft. You're exactly right on that. Right now it's scheduled for October 16, if all follows to what what we're seeing. But again, that's subject to change if needed. And there's a possibility, as we're seeing with the movies, as we're seeing with everything else in our society, it, the dates are changing right and left. So I definitely hear you on that. And I'm just hopeful, like I said, whatever decisions the players as a group or specific players as a whole, whether it's concern for safety because of COVID because, or they want to go ahead and be a major part of the protests, either where these protests are taking place or on the facilities itself in Orlando. I just, I want to see, like I said, a, a, a peaceful and resolution that's going to be able to take care of, of many people's concerns as possible. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think no matter what the NBA does, you're just not going to be able to please everybody. But at least trying to find that balance of pleasing as many people as you can and respecting those who decide not to come back, I think is is what everyone's hoping for right now. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. But one of those things about Orlando itself, let's let's talk a little bit about the 22-team setup. Were you surprised at the 22-team setup? I mean, on the surface, it looks kind of puzzling. Why would you invite Washington? Why would you invite Phoenix? But then again, when it comes down to it, it is about money and about the games that they play and about the games that they can televise because the fact that they can recoup as much as $350 million of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that the, the league will be losing out on and possibly even over a billion dollars if that's the case i understand now the reason why but was this the process you were looking to have as far as a playoff system is concerned yeah i think as you said every game played is more money for the nba that they're trying to recoup because right now they're losing tons of money because I, I believe the report came out that like 40% of their revenue comes from fan tickets. So if they can recoup that as far as televised games, even some of it just to help keep the salary cap up and yeah, get these players paid, that's sort of a bonus for the players that are looking to still um, keep their contracts at a full amount. But I do think they should have probably limited it to maybe 20 teams. I like the format as far as playing if you're within four games. I think it's probably the most fair way to do, to go about this. But I think they probably could have done without Washington and Phoenix. I'm not sure a lot of people have high hopes that they'll make much of a splash in this, this new tournament style. And, and it's funny because now we're hearing more reports that Marcus Aldrich had a surgery in March, so he's out. Uh, we're hearing reports of what happened with Utah and Bogdanovich, and he's out. So even players and even teams that are involved in this for a playoff and non-playoff teams are still being adversely affected by what's going on and could have an effect. Let's say everybody does go to Orlando. There's still teams out there that could be adversely affected and some that are positively affected because we hear the stories about how Portland could be at full strength. They could make a run. Sacramento, we've talked about just briefly. They're a team that has been struggling with injuries the entire season, so they could be at full strength, so they could make a run. I know nobody's talking about them as far as making a run. But in your mind, we'll discard Washington because I apologies to all Wizards fans, but no one can tell me in good conscience that the Wizards are actually going to be able to make up what six games i think right now it stands so yeah i'm not sure if they're going to be able to make up six games or at least four games four games two to four games in order to go ahead to even be eligible for that playoff that where they have to win two more games against whoever falls in eighth place but let's go ahead and focus on the western conference side for a second here 
And of those teams that are in the mix as far as that's just behind Memphis at this point in time, three starting three and a half games out, you have Portland, you have New Orleans, you have Sacramento, you have San Antonio, you have Phoenix. And am I missing anybody at this point in time? Uh, not that I can uh, recall. <laughs> okay. Not that anybody that you think is going to be able to hop over all those teams. So be that as it may, you're seeing the landscape now of what's there as far as that could come out of a play-in tournament or play-in couple games per se against whoever falls in the eighth seed which is most likely this time memphis your thoughts on if there's any team that could surprise and become that eighth seed to face off against what at this point looks most likely like the lakers yeah i think my pick would be the pelicans they have a lot of youth but they do have experience with jj reddick uh favors they have some veterans on there that can help propel them to this unique style of of getting into the playoffs and i think it's more time for zion to get into more shape um, work out a bit more getting more stamina although that hasn't been a problem so far but of course you know playoff basketball slows down it's more of a grind i think uh, you'll see the um younger guys maybe progress a bit more uh you'll see maybe Nikhil alexander walker uh start to become a little bit more consistent now that he has had few months to really hone in on his shooting so I think the Pelicans are probably my favorite pick for for that eighth spot if there is a surprise team but it's everything so fluid right now that it's really hard to pinpoint a specific team. Do you think Zion will be on a restriction minutes uh, that he was or similar to what he was just before the break? I don't really see that I think that you know he's had Plenty of time now to really rehab, get into physical shape. Maybe they'll start him off on a really small or 34-minute-per-game, 32-minute-per-game restriction just to ease him back in a little bit in the gameplay, but I don't imagine that lasting too long. Uh, he's still very young, so I think I think he should be in game shape fairly quickly. New Orleans, I think, like yourself, is a hot pick that's out there as far as making it. I know they were playing a little bit better towards the end of the break before we went into the COVID-mandated break that we're currently on. But I want to say that even though Portland is also getting a lot of love, I want to say if there could be any team that might surprise, it might be Sacramento because they are, or they, at least they should be, at full strength when we get back on the court. And they were a team that was predicted to have a little bit better season than a lot of people had seen I think a lot of people were looking for them to be sneaking into that eighth spot when it comes to the playoffs as far as what they were earlier thinking about at the beginning of the season. So I'm thinking Sacramento might be able to get the chance to surprise some people, but it all depends on their schedule. I've not seen an official schedule of how that's going to run, if it's actually going to run exactly like the rest of the NBA schedule. So not looking at the NBA schedule right now, which I will in upcoming episodes, I'm going to say Sacramento might be a surprise to people out there. Yeah, I believe I read that it was going to be just as the remaining schedule. They won't be playing teams, obviously, those eight teams that didn't make it. So they would just skip ahead to the next team that would be playing on the schedule. So I believe that's the format that they're going to go with. Sacramento is definitely a team uh, that could make a little bit of noise. Uh, I know there's a lot of tenacity or tension, I should say, between Buddy Hield and the Kings right now. 
hopefully they're able to mend that up within the past couple months. So that's definitely a young team. So I'm not entirely sure how they would fare in the playoffs without those key veterans, you know, to really lead them. But they're definitely a team that I, I would keep an eye on and I would definitely watch. Well, there you have it. If you have any opinions out there on whoever out of the, the 9 to 12 teams in the West or maybe even Washington East, if you think any of those teams can go ahead and match up against or at least get into the playoffs, I should say, sneaking in as an eight seed, let us know at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. All right, my friend. We're going to go ahead and delve knee-deep into this mock draft thing because I recently posted a mock draft, both in audio and written form. You can find it on the Lakers Fast Break channel and also popculturecosmos.com. You are someone that is quite used to posting mock drafts. So you can find his at draftsite.com, and he does a great job on it and has done for quite some time. So I want to ask you, Stone, you saw my mock draft, and I thank you uh, for the compliment you gave me early on. It did not go unnoticed nor unappreciated. So, <laughs> But be that as it may, you and I have some differentiating opinions on certain players. I'll let you name one first, and we'll talk about it, but I've got one in mind as well. Okay. All right. So... One player on your mock draft that I did like the fit a lot actually was Killian Hayes to the Detroit Pistons. That's a fit that I really liked on your mock draft. I think that he is a really fundamental player, somebody that would bring, I believe, a winning culture to basketball, something the Pistons don't really have right now. Just an even-keeled kind of personality uh, can fit in with a, any sort of locker room, I believe. And I think that would be a really great fit for the Pistons, who obviously need a point guard because Reggie Jackson is pretty much out of there. And I think once Derrick Rose's contract is up after this year, that he's pretty much out of there as well. So Reggie Jackson's already with the Clippers. Oh, that's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah, because uh, remember, uh, he was let go so he could go ahead and, and latch onto another team. So, Very yeah, he true. currently is with the Chris at this point in time. Very true. Derek Rose, then. Derek Rose is definitely out Oh, yeah, he'll be traded. He's got a nice contract, $7 million around there. Yeah. And he is going to be someone that's going to be wanted by a lot of teams as a uh, energy guy coming off the bench or someone who can play starting guard if you need to. But he did both during the season in Detroit. So, yeah, I definitely could see that. But with Detroit – they just need talent. They just need quality talent on that team. I think of any team at this point in time in the NBA, they are at or close to the bottom of the list when it comes to having any kind of NBA quality depth. Definitely. They, uh, Luke Kennard is someone that they can build around, more of a complimentary piece. Christian Wood, if they could keep him around, is a big bonus for them. Siku Dumboya has a lot of promise to some people. A lot of people really, really like him. But outside of that, there's really not a whole lot to look at and be excited about if you're in Detroit. So I think Derrick Rose is definitely a team that uh, other teams or definitely a player that other teams will look at. Uh, next trade deadline, um, want him as you know, kind of a spark off the bench. So point guard um, is definitely a huge, huge concern for them. And in a point guard heavy draft, I think that's where they'll look. Don't forget us some Svi Mihailik. Uh, former Laker, someone who I actually was very sad to see him move on. He actually has had a decent season in Detroit. 
Is he a starting guard in the league? I don't think so, but I think he can give you quality minutes off the bench for a good team or even a playoff team moving forward. So I, I see a good long future for him. He's still very young. It's funny because he played four years in college and he was only 21 when he graduated. So it was kind of funny to see that happen. But yeah, it's somebody that I think with, when I'm talking about Killian Hayes that I think it's just a good fit for a lot of teams because he can do whatever it is you need him to do. If he is shot develops the way most people think his shot outside will develop he'll be able to go ahead and be either a great playmaker or a very good playmaker or someone who could go ahead and play off ball as well yeah i think that as you said he does fit a lot of teams phenomenal passer not quite as good as Lamelo, but probably the second best passer in this draft a shooter hopefully he has some unique numbers uh, that you don't usually see as far as catch and shoot, but off the dribble seems pretty pretty good. So hopefully he develops into a shooter, and for Detroit, I think that he would immediately be their number one option moving forward. Well, another name that I wanted to talk to you about, and this is the one I was probably the most excited to talk to you about, and that's for varying reasons, and that's Precious Achua, someone who was really high on your draft at one point in time, but has dropped. His stock has dropped. He's still pretty good with me. I have him going in around the, the 15 to 20 mark on my mock draft. You have, I guess, I don't want to say soured on him, but you have had changed opinion on him because he is the, according to draftsite.com, your, your site there and your list and your mock draft there, he is the quickest dropper right now the quickest drop of any of the prospects currently on your mock draft he he had the greatest drop from one mock draft to another i should say i think the reasoning for that for me at least is that i just really don't see precious as i I do still see him as a tweener even though i try to not use that term anymore a lot of people have gone away from it and it's not really as important i i guess because of the lack of positional important in the league it's just everyone does everything no matter what size you are but i i see precious as i don't really see who he defends in the nba at the next level i don't see perimeter quickness to be able to switch out there and uh, i do believe that he just doesn't have what it takes to guard to guard fives in the posts but offensively i think is where the intrigue really lies for a lot of people i can see him as a playmaker uh, at the four or the five for parts of stretches of time. I'm not sure how much I've been into his shot, which is probably why he's fallen so much to me compared to a lot of other people who do buy into uh, the shooting moving forward. So I think there's there's a number of different factors for me that, that led him to drop that low. Now, I'm not buying into the shooting 100% now either. You know, I did see a lot of his form. Uh, I, I do like his form, but I'm not... Uh, 100% sold that he's going to be a stretch four, stretch five. I do think he can play the rim running four and five, similar to what we see now with Montrez Harrell. Uh, I do think he can be strong enough to defend that. You're right about quickness on the exterior. That could be an issue for him if he gets put out there on an island. But I will say this, that I think he does show enough promise to me, and I think he is a excellent rebounder. 
which to me is becoming a lost art in the league. But if you have someone that is focused on getting that rebounds, if you have him as a small ball four or five per se, I think that's something that from a standpoint of if let's say you have them out there as, as a small ball five, I think it could be something really effective if you know that you have someone that is focused on getting that rebound. And then, like you said, has the passing skills to go ahead and send it out for a fast break. Yeah, I think Macho Hero is kind of a decent comparison in terms of the type of role he'll be playing in the NBA. Kind of that energizer, rim-running big, maybe off the bench, maybe starting. For me, most likely off the bench. I do have a lot of concerns as far as what is that one offensive skill that he'll bring to the table consistently and defensively, how how reliable is he going to be um, switching and picking rolls or go, going out to the perimeter, something that every team is going to be asking of bigs moving forward. So that's, that's kind of my logic behind the drop. Well, fair enough. One name I did want to ask you on, I was talking about this with Michael Weisenberg as well because he's very high on him, and I'm not sure how to read with as far as your mock draft is concerned, is Alexei Pokashevsky. But the reason why I want to talk to him, and I'd like to talk about his skill set because I think he has a great skill set. Stretch big at seven feet, excellent passer. Probably outside of the guards, he's the best passer in in this year's draft. He can rebound. He can block shots. He can defend a little bit on the perimeter. The only thing that <laughs> I don't know if you heard my podcast with Michael Weisenberg, but I did say as far as in the words of the movie Captain America, the first Avenger, this kid needs a sandwich because he is really, really, really thin. Seven feet, 200 pounds, maybe. And I'm considering that a big maybe. So your thoughts, Alexei Pokashevsky, and if he's someone that, if he gains some strength, will his skills be able to translate into the league? Yeah, my opinions on Pokashevsky are kind of all over the place. Uh, I've been really high on him, really low on him, and now I'm kind of in the middle. He's, as you said, a big who has a lot of guard skills, uh, which is very intriguing. I know a lot of draft Twitter in that whole realm are very high on him. I I'm really struggling to buy into the building of any sort of muscle that can that can last in the NBA. I think that's kind of why I'm not quite as high on him as others. Uh, I think a lot of people are high on him because there's not a high probability that he reaches that ceiling. But in this draft, there's not very many ceilings that are higher to to reach than his. He's got that complete unicorn skill set that every team is looking for can stretch the floor pass like bam Adebayo, and block shots i'm not sure every team is going to buy into the progression that he may not or may attain he played in a lower level in greece which is another thing he wasn't playing a high level of competition so it's really hard to get a grasp onto how how he does project into the nba because as we know, the athletes are much smarter, much stronger, much faster. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts, but I'm definitely looking forward to what he does bring moving moving on. I'm not actually putting him at a level of a Porzingis because Porzingis has even some special unicorn skills that I'm not sure that he has. But Pokashevsky, uh, I mean, as someone who has a lot to give, 
again, for me, it's an issue of strength. If he doesn't get that strength and if he doesn't gain 20 to 30 pounds in the league, then I think he's in trouble. I think he'll always be a what-if type scenario. But I, I really think that if you get him in the right program, if you get him with the right team, and I was put him right now as far as in my mock draft with Portland, who I think could be the team that it will take the patience and time and develop him into that fact. But you're right. It, it There's a lot of questions still on him. In fact, there's a lot of questions on so many of the players in this year's draft. The of on one of the biggest question mark drafts that I've ever experienced and I've ever looked into, I don't know how it's been for you. I mean, we've talked about this before off and on, and I've talked about this with the other guys that, that come on and we, we talk NBA draft. But as far as a work in process for you, has this been really one of the hardest drafts to figure out? I think it's it's pretty it's up there. Uh, I think uh, with COVID and everything, a lot of us have a tendency to – overanalyze scouts now or players now i think that we're some of us are looking a lot deeper than we need to into players and overthinking a lot of players so we just come up with more and more questions about them and uh, you have less and less answers to go along with that i do think though that it's just a massive cluster of players within the first between really the whole first round it's uh guys are just all over the place I've gone up and down with a lot of players as far as how high I am on them. And it's a huge variancy. At this point in time, there's still not a clear-cut number one. Um, that's something that uh, almost every draft has at this point in time. So the fact that we don't have that says a lot about how close and bunched together this draft is. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. It looks like there's going to be a lot more mock drafts to go for both you and I as far as changes are concerned. Because this is a draft that, uh, you know, a lot is uh, I, almost like a state of flux. We should de- rename this draft, not the NBA draft 2020, but state of flux 2020. I think that would probably be more best suited. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's, it's all fluidity at this point. And is there any other players that you want to talk about for now on our mock drafts that you see a variance on or that you see some type of agreement on? Because thank you for the compliment on Killian Hayes. I know some people had him as high as number one, but I felt that there's not going to be enough movement from the GMs thinking that he's that high. I really think that is probably where he's going to go because the GMs are not as high as some of the draft analysts are on on Killian Hayes. So that's why I put him there. But is there any other variances or, or similarities that you see that you really want to talk about on our mock drafts? One guy I did have a little bit of a question about was Tyrese Maxey at 30. Um, <laughs> you're the fourth one you're the fourth one yeah Go ahead. yeah i mean i i don't really see him dropping out of the lottery personally in my opinion if he does i think it's 15 16 but i think there's just too much there to really have him drop down that low in my opinion uh, i i understand that it is a guard heavy draft uh so we will see, see a couple guys slip and then we project 
more than we project, but I don't think that one of them will be Tyrese Maxey personally. Well, again, for me, it's just a starter as far as volume 1.0, and I did have him at number 30. Who knows what, what might happen in the future. I just don't see him as high as you guys do. I see don't see him as high as you, Michael, Raphael, and the people sending in comments on that. I won't be honest with you. So I just don't see a shot, even though he does have a good free throw percentage. When I look at his form, I'm just not 100% convinced. And I hope I'm wrong. I certainly hope I'm wrong on this. And I hope the kid has a great career in the league. But I'm, I'm kind of really concerned that his outside shot will translate well into the NBA. And at six foot three, to me, he's got to be more of a point guard. But I really don't look at him as a point guard per se. Just him as an outside shooting guard that doesn't shoot if he doesn't shoot really well he's going to be a situation where at six foot three playing an off guard position even though he plays excellent defense could become a a liability in the league i mean we've seen that with other non-shooting shooting guards that do play good defense but they get taken out of the game because they simply cannot help you on the offensive end yeah, I think that's entirely fair, uh, logically, as far as the reasoning why you have Mello. Uh, I think that I do, I, I personally do have questions about the shooting a little bit more than other people. I think that we saw him struggle a little bit at Kentucky this year outside at times, just go cold for a bit. But I, I do have a lot of faith in his defense. Usually, I'm not a big proponent of undersized shooting guards because I just, I, their defense usually just isn't there. But uh, with Tyrese Maxey, I think it's a different story. Uh, so I do bank on him being at least a rotational player, which I think is higher than, than 30, in my opinion. But no, the, the reasoning behind it is entirely fair. Uh, and like I said, it, it could change. I just saw him, and I said this to uh, both Michael Weisenberg, but I've also said this to Rafael Barlow as well. And... The, the difference and the gap between him and Emmanuel Quickly, who is projected right now as a second-round player, I don't think, and I understand there's an age difference, and I get that. I just don't think the gap between those two is as big as most analysts see it. I think there's a closer gap, but I don't think it's to the point where Emmanuel Quickly needs to be moved into the first round. I think it's to the point where Emmanuel quickly is like right there at, at the edge of the, the first round, uh, most likely a high second round. But that, would, to me, means Tyrese Maxey moves down. That, so that's what was one of the major factors as well. I just, even though they were both playing on the same team, I just don't see that big of a gap between those two at this point in time. Yeah, um, I think that, like I said, there it is such a point guard heavy draft that we're going to see some guys slide farther than they should. Um, uh, it's kind of impossible at this point to predict who it's going to be, but I, I think it's inevitable that at least one or two of them do drop uh, to towards the end of the second or towards the end of the first. Sorry. So it's it's possible that he could fall that far. Um, I just think that one of those two or one players that does drop will be a different name. Well, I'll relook at the tape or as I used to say in the old days. But I'll relook at the video that's out there. And just appreciate it. Raphael sent me more video on a lot of these players. I'll take a look at the, the well, I guess dozens and dozens of hours you can actually find on Tyus Maxey. I've actually looked quite a bit at him. So 
I will definitely take a look more into it and see if I have to reevaluate it for my volume 2.0 when, whenever that comes out. But we'll definitely wait and see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I mean, it's right now, it's, in many ways, it's a crapshoot because you're, you're sitting there and you're seeing these players and they're not as defined as far as what tiers as you do in most other draft. And I think that's the problem is because after it gets to just a select few, I think it's a free-for-all as far as the way people perceive a lot of these players. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that everyone in, in every draft has varying opinions on guys, but in this draft particularly, the there's just a broader variance for every single player. Um, and I think that uh, you're just... Uh, nobody is going to agree on any draft um, on where a player should go one through 60, but I think you're going to see this year that a lot, there'll be a lot more variance uh, between one through 60, between two people as there would in comparison to any other draft. Well, as long as you weren't busting up laughing and rolling over on the floor when you read my mock draft, that's all I care about. No, sir. I thought it was uh, pretty well done for the most part. So, Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, how are Knicks fans liking yours? Because I talked to Raphael. Knicks fans do not like his mock drafts. So how are they liking your mock draft? Uh, so far, so good. I haven't had any complaints from Knicks fans, thankfully. Uh, I think a lot of people like Killian Hayes. He's a people pleaser. So um, hopefully the Knicks fans would be happy with him. I think they'd be happy with Hallie Burton, too. So. I picked Halliburton as well. I, I don't think Killian Hayes will be there, but I also think that they're going to try and do everything they can and throw the kitchen sink at whoever it is that they need to get to to get LaMelo Ball because I think that's their ultimate person that they want to go after. It obviously depends on, in August, what the lottery lays out for us. But, yeah, if they don't get lucky in the lottery, I think they're going to try and throw everything they can at whoever to go ahead and get LaMelo Ball. I think that's their first 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 choice that they want LaMelo Ball in New York. That's something Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report has brought up multiple times, him being a Knicks fan, that he does really want LaMelo Ball. And I think that that's entirely fair because he has probably the highest ceiling in the draft. But the fear I have about that is, like you said, they give everything up for it to get him. And if they give up Mitchell Robinson or any future first-rounders, that could be a scary thing for Knicks fans because they'll be in the, the mediocrity treadmill for a while if they continue to throw all their young assets they collect for more young assets. So, Well, actually, the mediocrity treadmill might actually be a great step up from the basement treadmill that they're currently <laughs> under. But I will tell you right now, if Golden State gets that pick, I know they'll think about a trade. And Mitchell Robinson and a first – maybe two first or a first and a second or whatever package. But a Mitchell Robinson, I think, has to be put in the deal. I don't think Golden State would even be interested unless they put Mitchell Robinson in the deal. Let's just say Golden State wins the lottery because they, they most likely have the best chance of doing so. Yeah, I mean, and if I'm the Knicks personally, I'm not trading Mitchell Robinson for anyone in this draft. He's got so much promise, just misused in New York. They don't know how to capitalize on his skill as is the story with many Knicks players so I would not move him under for anyone in this draft personally he'd be the number one pick for me <laughs> and yeah the fear is that they add more to Mitchell Robinson to get that number one pick which is a scary thought 
which is a shame because the Laker fans out there, we could have had him. I was hoping that they would get him back. I was actually thinking that they would. I think I did a mock draft back then that had Mitchell Robinson in that slot. And, uh, you know, I know I saw a lot of others that were thinking that as well and didn't pan out. And look how he's developed. So, yeah. But need I digress. The Lakers have not done bad in recent years in drafts. So I'm hoping with the pick that they have, uh, both you and I picked uh, some pretty good picks as far as that the Lakers might might look into. But still, it's, we'll wait and see. But they've chosen well in the past, and I'm hoping that they will get a chance to keep it so they can develop in and be able to go ahead and provide some needed youth on that team because in the next couple of years, they just might need it. Yeah, and the Lakers are really actually great at finding late-round talent that does pan out. Sometimes it's a little bit of a reach, but usually it always pans out for them. The problem for them is developing that talent or keeping it. A lot of times they trade them away. But yeah, if they if they can get that late run talent and develop them to the to reach their maximum capabilities, that's a big bonus for the Lakers, especially on a cheaper deal when they're they'll be um, tight on money. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to check out our thoughts on our mock drafts, again, you can check it out. First off, Stone Hansons at draftsite.com. It's right there. You just click on the NBA tab and pops right up and for me it's lakers fast break either on this audio channel or also as well you can check it out on youtube or popculturecosmos.com but stone it's been so great having you on the show but before we head on out you got to go ahead and tell people what you're up to at draftsite.com or any of the other work that you're doing out there when it comes to the nba yeah so you can find everything i do work on on my twitter at report underscore court I'll, I'll be posting everything that I do do. I'll put it up on there. I have a new top 100 coming out within the next week or two. Another mock draft as well will be updated on draft site, hopefully next weekend. And then I'll, I'll really start diving in on 2021 and, and doing all that sort of work. So that's where you can find me. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to have you back on here pretty soon to discuss that. I'm still waiting for the day the... Well, I guess as it gets closer to the draft, which right now is in mid-October, I'm still waiting for the day we can go back on to, together as a group and have that mock draft again because that was really fun. I, I look forward to doing that again with you and the other guys as well. But I am going to bring you on very soon to talk about NBA, the Lakers, how it looks towards as we get closer to it. And as the changing situation happens, I'd love to have you back on the program. Yeah, looking forward to it. I appreciate you having me on again. Well, awesome indeed, because you are a great part of the show. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. As once again, it is Stone Hansen from DraftSite.com. If you have any questions for Stone, what's your Twitter handle again? At report underscore court. There you go. At report underscore court. For me, it's at Lakers Fast Break or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Also want to give a big shout out to Sam Jam, who subscribed during our conversation today on YouTube. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. If you also get a chance, please give us again that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are truly appreciated and subscribe to our show. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. But I'll tell you what, Stone, it's just been so great having you once again on the program. Looking forward to having you back on very soon right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.